We're continuing our series on loving one another. Remember um, why this is so significant. And I've loved the last two weeks. I was just telling Josh, I thought he did such a great job of unpacking, right, what it looks like to do relationships well. And in this series, we've been really focused on the practical, the pragmatic side of things. Like, okay, love one another. Well, what the heck does that mean, right? Or how do I do that? Like, how do I do that with my brother who I totally disagree with or, you know what I mean, like, or my relative over here, or, you know what I mean, like, how do we actually make that happen? And that's what we're we're talking about. And we learned, if you recall, from the very beginning, why this is so significant, because um, the phrase that I love that um, Josh shared was that people-sized hole in our heart, right? That we are, yes, we have a God-sized hole in our heart or a God-shaped hole in our heart, but we also have a people-shaped hole in our heart. And that we need each other, right? And we also learned that how well we do relationships will actually either promote the kingdom into our lives or will hold back the kingdom in our lives, right? That we can actually stop the flow of the kingdom, the, the power of God flowing into our lives. Our prayers can actually be hindered when we don't do relationships well. That's significant. So, th- I mean, this is, this, is, this is kingdom. If we want the kingdom, if we want to see our community changed, if we want to see... Uh, our loved ones come to the Lord. If we want to, you know, see the kingdom breaking into our lives at all different levels, right? We need to learn to do relationships well. This is significant. So we can't just bypass this and get some of the kingdom and miss this part. And that's what a lot of us have done. And we go, why aren't my prayers getting answered? Or why do I feel like I'm praying and nothing's happening? And then maybe it's because we have some relationship issues. There's some unforgiveness. There's areas of our lives that need to, to change and, and to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Holy Spirit loves to transform this area of our life. He loves this. He loves this just as much as somebody getting healed out in Kroger or, or you know, someone getting a word of knowledge or some, you know, he loves healing and mending and restoring relationships are an important part of what Holy Spirit loves to do in the earth. And so we want to partner with him in that. So today I want to talk about uh, managing conflict, managing conflict, right? How do we, um, how do we actually do this? Like when we talk about conflict, and when I talk about conflict, I use three words probably interchangeably, synonymously, probably conflict, confrontation, and disagreement, right? And there's, maybe there's a little bit of nuances between those, but I'll use those interchangeably, right? So a lot of us, is anybody familiar with any of these things? Conflict, confrontation. Who likes conflict? Christopher does. Christopher Owens. Thanks, Christopher. He loves conflict. He's the only one in the room that loves conflict. <laughs> confrontation, right? Disagreement, sitting down with someone and actually disagreeing, right? No one likes it. That's, the, that's our conclusion. Well, before we, let's, I think we need to stop there because this is really important because this is one of the fundamental things that we have to learn. Because Jesus, it says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the, of the devil. He came to destroy the works of the devil. So fundamentally, Jesus came to confront the activities of the enemy on the earth. He came to confront Satan at the core of all of his activities and his workings and his dealings on an individual basis, and on a community basis, on a national basis, 
for the whole entire world. He, right? he, he came to confront. It's a part of who he was. He confronted Satan. He confronted evil. Jesus confronted sin. Right? He confronted it head on. He confronted the world systems that were, were all around it. He, he, he head on, he went straight at them. He didn't, he didn't water anything down, and he said, this is not good. He confronted hypocrisy, right? He confronted religion. He confronted sickness. He confronted injustice. He confronted greed and materialism, and ultimately he confronted death, right? He took it on, head on. This thing that plagued all of humanity, death, he confronted it head on. So what is the point? The point is this. Confrontation is a necessary and critical activity of the kingdom. In terms of following Jesus and bringing bringing heaven to earth, which we're all called to be, right? Ambassadors of his kingdom. If we're truly going to walk out being ambassadors of the kingdom, we need to embrace embrace confrontation. Do it with me. We need to embrace, everybody do that hand motion. do it, embrace confrontation, let's do it one more time, that was so funny, can I get a, hold up, hold up, let me get me the camera out, oh I forgot my camera, shoot, we're going to embrace confrontation, I'm sorry, you won't forget it though, right, we need to embrace confrontation as a means of deeper connection, listen, confrontation is a means, it's a mechanism, disagreement, conflict is a means of deeper connection, of relational connection with people. So we need to learn how to do this well. This is very, very important that we learn how to disagree, to, um, to, to have conflict, to manage conflict well. And that's what I want to talk to you today. Now, I want to just pause for a moment because I want to really go after one critical thing because this whole thing, right, there, there is a movement, there is momentum that I want to call out in our society, it's demonic, okay? It's, we have to understand the workings of the enemy because this is what it says. It says disagreement means that you're a hater. We equate disagreement with hating. Like if you don't agree with me, then you must hate me. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. It's, it's, it's the working of, of, the, of the enemy to divide and not allow people to come together, to sit at table together, to have relationship when they still do not agree with one another. And this is a fundamental problem, and it's happening all around us. The enemy is at work trying to divide us and keep us apart and and promoting hate. This is what the cancel culture is all about. And it's raging amongst us, and we have to be aware of this. And we don't want to participate in it. We want to recognize it. And I'm not saying we're going to, we don't need to return hatred with hatred. I'm saying we need to be aware of it, right? And we need to cancel that with love. We need to invite people to the table. We need to sit down with the, with the, the drunkards and the tax collectors and the people that disagree with us, right, and have conversation and hear them out and connect with them as Jesus did. Does that make sense? So I, want, I, I can't go into that a whole, whole lot. That's probably a whole other topic. But, but this is huge in our society, and we need to recognize it, and so we need to learn, relearn how to do conflict. I've got a great, um, go to the next slide maybe, 
Morgan Freeman, love Morgan Freeman, right? He's awesome. And, and he called this out, that I, the thing that I was just telling you. Morgan Freeman once said, just because I disagree with you doesn't mean I hate you. We need to relearn this in our society. We're in a process. We need to relearn this. Coming out of COVID, right, we need to relearn this about disagreement, right? And, sometimes, and we need to value disagreement. We need to value. We need to hear people out and where they're at so that we can build connection, right, and relationship and bring forth the kingdom. This thing of conflict is so significant. I just want to share a really kind of a intimate story. I, I'm not going to go into the details, but all I can say is this. There was a, a few years back, um, we were in a staff meeting. And let me just say that in that staff meeting, I did not manage conflict very well. And that had huge ramifications. I felt and, and we're going to talk about this. I felt attacked, and so I, when we feel attacked, what do we do? We, we lash out, right? We become angry, and so I reacted, and I'm still living with the ramifications of that, right? Because what we say and what we do in, in situations like that can have huge impact, and that's what I want to understand. And some of us, you can probably think back in the last few years, maybe you went through something similar, and you go, man, my reactions, my conduct, it didn't line up with what Jesus would do in that situation. And we need to go back and say, I'm sorry. Right? And when we react in those kind of situations, what's it do? It breeds distrust. People struggle to trust us. So what's the point? The point is this, is that managing conflict is really, really important in your life. And we've been trained as a society to run away from conflict. We've been trained from society that conflict is bad, right? Smoothing everything over is good. Let's just keep the peace, right? We think that that's called peacemaking, and Parker's going to touch on this. What is true peacemaking all about? And I'm, I'm so excited for it. But today we're going to talk about conflict, and we have to get this out of our mindset that conflict is bad and embrace it as a means for deeper connection. Does that make sense? So turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. Chapter 18, verse 15 through 17. And so here is Jesus, right? The great confronter. And what's he tell us to do? He gives us like clear instructions. Like you can't get any more clear than what Jesus spells out to us right here. He says, if a fellow believer hurts you, confrontation, right? Go and tell him. <laughs> Go confront him. Go to him. Don't run away from him. Don't smooth it over. Go express yourself to that person. If a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him. Work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you've made a friend. If he won't listen, don't, do you just stop there? <laughs> do we just shut her down? No. Go get someone else. Take a second person with you. If he won't listen, take one or two others along so that the presence of witnesses will keep things honest. And try again. Try to confront again. Try to go after it again. If he still won't listen, tell the church. Get the church involved. And if, if he won't listen to the church, you'll have to start over from scratch. Confront him with the need for repentance and offer again God's forgiving love. I love that. That's from the message. Jesus is, is declaring to us that confrontation has to be a regular part 
of our relational interactions. It's about doing relationships well, and we have to embrace this, okay? So let's jump. I want to talk about specific steps, okay? Practical steps to doing relationships well. Can we do that? We're going to talk about practical steps, okay? Steps of confrontation or conflict, okay? How do we create environments where we can do this and do this well? First off, if we're going to do what Jesus commanded us to do, the first thing we have to do is we have to change our goal from conformity and control to connection and freedom. Josh talked a lot about this, about like forming connection, changing our goal in our relationships, right? We, you know, a lot of us, we want to be right, or we want to be, we want to win the argument. Okay? Or we want to defend, or we want to attack, or whatever it is, Right? We want to dominate, manipulate, and intimidate people to conform and think like we do. And that is not the goal. If we have agreement and we come together and say people see our, our position or whatever, awesome. But they've come to that by the power of the Holy Spirit working through them to have revelation or understanding about themselves and their environment. That's awesome. But we allow Holy Spirit. Spirit the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And we're partnering him in, with, with that, Right? So we need to create an environment where truth can be expressed, can be challenged, can be discussed. So we have to change our goal from conformity and control. Listen, I, I, I expressed a couple weeks ago about how I've been walking through this deliverance from control. Like I didn't even know it was a part of my life and then about a couple years ago, and it had something to do with the 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 the. Issue, the, the staff meeting, right, it just made me heavily aware of, like, why am I so angry? And I realized that there was this control inside of me. I wanted to be in control, and I had to be in control. And when I wasn't in control, I became angry and upset, and it had to be my way. And I started to just repent and just turn that over to the Lord. I'm going, this is not you. God is not a God of control. We see that all around us. If he was, there'd be a bunch of robots running around doing the right thing instead of, like, murdering and killing and lying and stealing and all the things that the enemy does. He's a God of freedom. And we need to, that's how we need to conduct our relationships. We need to create spaces of freedom. We need to create spaces uh, where people can share thoughts and share ideas and come together. So our goal cannot be conformity, and our goal cannot be control. We have to drop that if we're going to confront well. Is that everybody with me? And, and if you analyzed your lives, you would see that. When you come into an argument kind of situation, you see it ra rearing up inside of you. You want to control, and you want conformity. You want people to see and, and recognize and, and validate your view, right? And that, or you want to control them to think and act and move like you. And that's not what it's all about. It's about creating connection, about creating safety, and about creating freedom. So our first, is, first thing is we have to analyze our goals, right? And we have to get rid of this. And this is hard. This is where it takes repentance. I'm just telling you, this is a big deal, right? This isn't like, oh, yeah, okay, John said get rid of the control and conformity. No, you have to intentionally go after this. 
in your heart. You have to intentionally recognize your faults and areas of this, and you have to bring that to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, I lay this at your feet. Lord, I change, I, got, I repent, I turn, and I long for in this relationship for connection and freedom instead of conformity and control. See, a lot of people that are in the, under this control mentality, there's two things that can happen. One is, is that they actually conform, and we call that victory. <laughs> we stake our and say, look, they did exactly what I said, but in, in, the, in the background, they didn't conform at all. They just passively said yes and walked away, and their heart, there wasn't heart-to-heart connection. In fact, it cr- that all that conformity just created more distance and, and, and disconnected there's disconnection, rather connection. So the second thing is, is we need to prepare ourselves to respond instead of react. Josh talked about this, about responding and reacting and responding and reacting. Jesus always responded. Look at his life. It's amazing. Like, like the, I talked about the woman at the, or not the woman at the well, but the woman caught in adultery. Right? So they bring him, this is, this is a conflict. This is a con- the, 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 and it's initiated by the Pharisees, Sadducees, whatever. They bring this lady, let's, let's catch him. We've got him now. So we bring this lady who's been caught in adultery. Let's see how he responds, how he reacts, and what's he do. And what does Jesus do? Does he react and speak up right away? <laughs> That's what he did. He said he's drawing in the sand. And everyone, like, I think if you, if you read all, like, what was Jesus writing? Or he was writing a message. I think he was waiting on Holy Spirit. <laughs> I mean, Jesus was a man filled with Holy Spirit, right? And he only did what he saw the Father doing. So he's waiting. He's not reacting. He's, he's waiting for Holy Spirit. And then finally he speaks, and it's awesome. He who's never sinned, cast the first stone. Perfect, right? But there was a time frame. He needed to wait, right? We need to learn. We need to prepare ourselves to respond instead of react. Now, the key to this, I'm going to tell you the key to this, and this is, this is difficult because every one of us, if, if we're on a scale of 1 to 10 on this, none of us are at 10s in terms of our identity because when you're perfectly secure in our identity, then, you can, then this becomes easy. Okay, when you are secure in who you are, then when someone attacks you with a bunch of words, you're just like, that's fine, that's your opinion. But I know who I am in Christ. And I, I know I'm beloved. I'm his beloved, right? When you're perfect in your identity, you don't need to, have to defend yourself. You don't need to return atta- an attack with an attack in a situation, right? So the key to this is, is being rooted and grounded and secure in who you are in Christ. The greatest thing that you can do to love your friends and your spouse and your children and your father and mother and all those people is to, be, to know who you are and to allow the love of God to be filled into your life. And if you've never experienced that, let me just tell you that he want, Jesus wants to meet you today. He wants to touch you today with his love. And it's available to all of us. All we have to do is give him our yes and say, yes, Jesus, I want to know your love. I want to know how much you love me. Father me. Love on me. I need to be loved because you can't love well until you're first loved. 
And so being secure in our identity is so, so very important so that we don't defend ourselves and we don't a, a, a return an attack with an attack, right? We, we know how this goes, right? Someone attacks us, and then, we, and then we attack back, and we attack back, and it's just this spiral, and we're going downhill into, into this abyss of, of disconnection. We know it. We've lived it. I would guarantee every one of you have experienced this in some way, shape, or form. So we have to prepare ourselves to respond instead of react. Okay, I did this recently with someone that I really, really care about. And um, I sat down with them, and I asked probing questions. And I committed to myself that I would not respond. Like a lot of us, people say things, and sometimes we say things that don't logically make sense, right? And so, but we, our thing is, boom, we want to just like nail them to the wall, right? I got them, right? Because our goal is to win. Our goal is to be right. Okay? But if our goal is connection, then we hold back. And we wait for them to go, well, what do you think? <laughs> or what's your opinion on this? If they didn't open that door, then maybe we don't need to be speaking into it. Maybe we just need to hold our tongue. Maybe we need to long for connection until they come to that place and they go, hey, what are your thoughts? So preparing ourselves to listen, preparing ourselves to not attack, preparing ourselves to, to love and to hold back until we're requested, right? Until our opinion's asked for. Third thing, real practically, choose a safe space. If you're, if you're confronting someone, right, or, or a time, so someone, someone might not choose a safe space, and they might come to you and say, now's the time to confront, and they attack you with a bunch of words, right, in a bad space. You have the right to respond and say, hey, I, I really, that's a good conversation. I would love to have that conversation. I just, just now is not the right time and space. You know, people with young kids, you know, having an, ar I can remember when I was a kid, and my parents having an argument, I knew they were arguing, and I would freak out. I mean, I would, I would go in my closet, I would cry because I was so scared that my mom and dad were going to break up or something like that, right? And that's a very scary thing, you know? And I'm not talking about being, not being authentic. I'm just saying that not everyone is capable to carry, right, certain conversations. And so, right, so that's the way that we can respond is we just say, hey, can we have this conversation a little, by, a little while or whatever? And but choosing a safe space, so if you're confronting somebody and, it's, and you're the one instigating it, if you will, then picking a time and space that just make, is, is good, where people feel safe, and we can have good conversation about it. I think that's important. Four, begin with honoring and declaring. So when you're in that space of, of, of you know, you've gone through these steps, you've prepared yourself, you've changed your goals, you've chosen a good space, and you're kind of in that place where now we're engaging, Right? When you, when you begin to speak to that person, I would just highly encourage you to express, okay, your goals. Express, hey, I want to sit down with you because I really care about you, because you're a wonderful person. You mean so much to me in my life, and I've been praying about you, and I've been, been seeking the Lord about this, and I just want to sit down and have this conversation. And I, you know, I, I value our friendship. I value our relationship. 
and then maybe even have a few things. You know what? You have done this so well, and I see this in your life. You have so many things going for you, and you could just call those things out, right? This is the gift of of the prophetic, where we can just speak words of encouragement into a person's life of things that we see. So begin with honoring and declaring value. I think that's so, so important, okay? Because it, it creates that place of trust. It creates that environment of trust, and it breaks down, right? Because, listen, let's just acknowledge, every time someone says something that you, you did wrong, right? Or you did something, or you're doing something not the way that you're expected to do it, whatever, right? That's what a confrontation or a disagreement's about, Whenever that's expressed, it's the likelihood of them experiencing rejection or, like, anger or frustration. It's high, right? So we're trying to dissolve that. We're trying to stop, stop that from happening. And so it's very important to lead with honoring and declaring value over the people, over people. Five, communicating feelings or needs clearly without judgment or motive. Let me say that again. Communicating your feelings or your needs clearly without judgment and, and, or, or motive. Now, my favorite thing to do is, is I water things down. I, I vaguely go about it. I, I, I don't, I'm not clear, okay? And I've learned this over a lot of years, okay? And I know how I function. Like I just recently had a confrontation at work. And I was like, okay, I have to confront somebody here. I'm going to write it down. I wrote it down. I, like, itemized out exactly what it was. I was very clear. In this situation, you did this. In this situation, you did this. And I was very clear, right, because the one thing you don't want to have is a lack of clarity, okay? So you want to be very specific, and you want to be clear when we're communicating feelings and our needs. But before that, okay, the key thing here is without judgment or motive. This is the thing. Like, we all think, we all, like, every one of us in this room, I'm just going to call it out, right? Pridefully, we believe that we have the gift of discernment and know every motive, that per, every, you know, every action has a motive and we know what it is. Like, we're, we, we know it. Krista did that. You know, she doesn't, she doesn't respect me as a pastor. You know, she did that, you know. I'm picking on Krista. I mean, we, we just have this, like, assumption, right? I mean, we're, does there, nod your head. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, like, we all believe that we understand motives, that we understand why this person, we watch television shows, and we see people doing certain things. Oh, they did that because of this. You know, and we, we know the motive. Do we? You know? You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is the, this is the dangerous slope. This is what Jesus called judgment, he said, do not judge lest you be judged. So this is that slippery slope. Now, I'm going to, so, so some of my Bible scholars here, you're going to go, oh, look, see when he, Jesus, and he, Jesus knew motive when he was talking to the Pharisees. Okay, are you Jesus? <laughs> I mean, he had the Holy Spirit without measure, right? So he's receiving words of knowledge, and he's getting information, and I'm not, and there is some of that. But boy, let's be careful with that. Right? Let's not assume that we just got a word from the Holy Spirit about motive because that's a slippery slope. And Jesus navigated it really well. And the thing is, is that even when he got that information, he loved. He didn't, go, he didn't exalt himself. He actually loved people and invited them into something bigger and greater. So let's throw that off. 
you got you got to just go after this because I'm see, we're going to leave this room and there's it's your temptation. Trust me, it's going to happen, and you need to learn to recognize it and repent and turn away from it. I am not going to judge motive. First Corinthians thirteen says defines love as believing the best, believing the best, giving people the benefit of the doubt. That's what he commanded us to do. That's what love does. It says it sees action, and it says, you know what? I'm not going to interpret motive off of that. That's maybe a point of weakness, and we all have weaknesses, so I'm going to believe the best. Does that make sense? Listen, this will save your marriage. This will save your marriage, Izzy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm serious. Like, I, like this is Kim's... Five years of our first five years of marriage, this is where we lived, judging each other's motives. We had to get past this. We had to repent. And what judging people's motives does is it creates distrust because I'm interpreting what you're doing, and I believe I know who you are. You don't love me. we got to get this out, right? This is, this is judgment. Jesus went right after that. Judge not lest you be judged, Okay. Now, another thing is, is that when we're arguing, we're in that place of, t- of talking, and we say something stupid. Have you ever said anything stupid? Has anyone, has, has anyone not said anything stupid in the midst of an argument? Right, okay, that's all of us. Okay? And we say, I, I said something stupid. Like, and, you know, we go to these absolutes. You always forget to take out the trash. That's what Kim says to me. You always forget to take out the, you never, right? How many times, well, you never, right? These absolutes, they're absurd, right? Like when we say, I, I have to, like you always do, and I'm like, no, last week you did this. You're right, I, that's, that's wrong. I'm sorry, I can't say that, right? I mean, you've got to quick, just say, I'm sorry, that's not true. I'm, you know what I mean? Like, like just, I mean, when, when, you, when you're here to win, that's really hard. When you're here for connection, that's really easy. When your goal is connection, saying, ah, that's not true. I'm, i got to back up from that. And I, sometimes I've had to backtrack five minutes after I said it or after the, the conversation. Hey, you know what? I said this, and that was totally wrong. Or I judged your motive. or You know what I mean? And we just need to say we're sorry. But we got to stay away from these absolutes, okay? You never, you always. And I want to give you three components. Real quick, I want to give you three components of expressing feelings. This is really important, okay? Three things, okay? If you can do these three things, we can effectively express feelings without attacking, okay? Now, it's not always because some people struggle with rejection. Some people struggle, right? So they might interpret what you're saying wrongly. That's a possibility. But as best as you can, you're going to try to live at peace with that person. And this, these are the three things you can do to express your feelings or your needs. What, what, they, um, what they did, be specific. So the first thing is what they did. Be specific. Express to them, you did this, right? You didn't make the bed in the morning. And when you didn't make the bed in the morning, it, felt, it made me feel disrespected and that you didn't love me. That's what I was feeling. And I'm, I'm picking, like, we're laughing about that, but I, that's true. I don't. I'm terrible about making my bed. Okay. Let's, let's, let's keep the closet closed for a moment. Just for a second. Okay, be specific. Let's get us back on course. It's not about John Richter. 
What they did, be specific. Second thing is, how did you feel? What did it make you feel? I felt this. Be specific. I felt unvalued. I felt like you didn't care about me. I didn't, you know what I mean? Or when you did this, I became really angry inside. Or, you know what I mean? Whatever that is, express the feeling or express the need, right? Or, you know, whatever it is, but express that. So be specific. Tell them how you made it feel. And then the third one, this is the most important, the judgment disclaimer. You've got to include the judgment disclaimer. I'm giving you ways to communicate, okay? Tasi, you got this? The judgment disclaimer, this is huge. We feel, so what the judgment disclaimer is is this. It's like when I, when I, I say, hey, when you didn't make the bed, it made me feel, feel deal, disvalued and that you didn't care, you didn't love me. That's how I felt. This is the disclaimer. That's how I felt. It could be just something inside of me, right? But this was what was going on in my heart. I'm not saying that you did anything wrong. I'm just saying that this is what I felt in that moment. Do you understand that? That's called the judge. I call that the judgment disclaimer. Okay? You've got to, all right? We're not casting judgment by what you did. I'm just, I'm, I, I want to create an environment where I can express how I feel when you do, did certain things, right? And the reality is, is this, none of us are perfect in our identity. So sometimes the, the problem is inside of me and not them. Does that make sense? Like the problem is, is because I'm struggling with rejection right now. And that's a spirit. And that's something inside of me that I got to get deliverance from. And so what this is, is it's acknowledging that I could be just something inside of me as it could be something inside of you. Now, there might be something inside of you. And, it, and I'll let the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit, you know, confirms that in their heart, they'll say, yeah, but let's not be Holy Spirit. Let's trust that Holy Spirit can convict and convince and lead into truth. So three components of expressing feelings. I want you to try this, okay? I want you to try this. Maybe it's with a friend or maybe it's with a family member. What they did. Be specific, how it made you feel, and then, then make a judgment disclaimer, right? It acknowledges the possibility that it could be me as much as it could be them, okay? Six, I got six and seven, and then we'll close. Six, listen. So now you've expressed yourself, now it's time to listen. James said, be slow to speak and quick to listen. Slow to speak, quick to listen. So it's time to listen. Again, if our goal is to be right, this is difficult. But if our goal is connection, this is easy. Because I want to understand where you're coming from. I want to understand your thought processes. I want to understand your feelings. I want to know what's going on inside of you, which is what connection is. This is where we practice active listening. Active listening, right? Where I say, okay, what I heard you say is this. And then I repeat it back. And they go, no, 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 no. You got everything right but this. Good, now we're having dialogue, right? We're having conversation. This is healthy. Listening is not agreement. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Listening to someone express their, their understanding or their thoughts or their feelings is not agreement. It's listening. It's loving. It's connecting. And we don't have to be right. Listen, this, the problem is, is we don't have enough faith that Holy Spirit is good at his job. That's, I mean, honestly, if you really get right down to it, we doubt that he is good enough to convince people of the truth. 
<laughs> Honestly, right? We listen. Finally, finish with expressing goals of connection, communication, and value in the relationship. Just kind of back where we started. So we started off with va- expressing value. We want to finish with expressing, hey, my goal is to connect. My goal is to be close to you. My, close, my heart is to hear your thoughts and feelings and what's going on inside of you, right? And we connect. Now, some of you, right, what we just talked about is we've been, let's just acknowledge, I just want to go to one space real quick and then why don't the worship team, why don't you come back up while I'm sharing this last point and you guys can get ready because I'm a little bit longer than I was planning on. But this is a really important point. So we've been taught that religion is faux pas, like that spirituality is something we can't talk about because it's so, it's got so much heat, you know. And a, problem, a lot of it is because it's all about winning. It's all about being right. Why? Aren't we confident enough in the truth? Aren't we confident enough in Holy Spirit? So what you could do, let's, does anyone have a, a family member here that you've been praying for? Just raise your hand. I'm not asking you to do anything. Just raise your hand. A family member that you would have liked, man, I wish I could go and talk to this person about the Lord, right? Yeah, you got a family member or a friend, right? A friend, someone around you, right? Maybe you co- ask them to go to coffee and ask Holy Spirit about this, okay? Maybe you practice this right here. Maybe you start with a question and say, hey, I, you know, you've been really on my heart, and I really want to connect with you more, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on, well, how's your spiritual life going? What's your spiritual life like? And just listen. Don't say a word. Don't even preach the gospel until you're asked. That's fun. And I'm serious. Like, like what if you just did that with this person? What if you just sat down and said, What's, what's going on in your life? What's your spiritual life like? And you just let them, and then if they, they kind of hide and go away, no, and they go, well, you're not going to agree with me, or they acknowledge, no, it's okay. Listen, I'm not here. I'm not going to respond. Okay, I, yes, I have beliefs, and I would love to share them, but if you don't want those, I'm not going to share them. I want to hear where you're at. I want to know what's going on inside of your life. And I'm not going to respond. What if you did that? What if, we, what if we all did that? What if we quit hiding from confrontation and actually embraced it in our lives, right? And you know what I mean? And started like hiding from it. We actually went right at it like Jesus would do. That's a good question. Would the kingdom break out? Absolutely. Is Holy Spirit capable? Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen. Why don't Parker, if you come, he's going to lead us into ministry. We're going to, the, the ministers are going to go back in the back, and we're going to lower the lights here and have some awesome worship together. But uh, he's going to share with us about the ministry time.